Good to be with you. Well, it's good to know that three of you are happy I'm here. Is there any more takers? Can we shove that up to four? Hallelujah. It was great to have Mark with us last week, a very practical word, and I'm not just saying it because I'm here, but a number of folk were, were blessed by Mark just sharing about being filled with the Spirit. We can never, ever not preach that. You know, sometimes we look around to hear something different. We want to hear something we've never heard before. Well, there's never anything you've never heard before. And for God to bring a new thing, it doesn't have to be something you've never heard before. It just has to come over to you with a new freshness. It says in the Scriptures that God's mercies are new every morning. Now, that might be the same mercy He had yesterday, but it's freshly baked this morning. And I can assure you that what you hear from me this morning, you've heard dozens of times. So, if you feel that way, have a doze, don't snore, and we'll just carry on enjoying it. Okay. And some of you recognize that I am older than some of you. And it may be that some of you think, well, you're younger than me. Well, that's fine. Praise God for that. Uh, But as we get older, uh, there are some things in life that we actually appreciate more than when we were young. You know, when we're young, we think we know it all. But then when we get older, we, we realize that perhaps we didn't know it all. And the wisdom of years... Uh, teaches us the value of things that we experienced when we were young. Some of you might think, well, I'm young, and you're experiencing stuff. I'll tell you what, you're experiencing stuff now that you will not appreciate the value of it until you're maybe 20 years older. Because I know as I look back, there's stuff that I experienced that really I felt at that time that I could have done without. And one of them is the whole question of discipline. The whole question of discipline. Has something happened there? Praise God. Hallelujah. Mark tells me that this thing does work, and it does. Um, Now, I'm not talking... When we're talking about discipline, I'm not talking about punishment. You know, when people think of discipline, they think of punishment. But, you know, for some of us, discipline might be punishment. But in fact, it's not. I'm talking about discipline in its more accurate sense. And anything of value in life, anything of value in life is only achieved through an application of discipline. Uh, When we are young, that discipline is usually applied by our parents. And we thank God for them. Uh, And it's not unusual at that time for us to seek to break the discipline or resist it in some way. Kids are past masters. It's bedtime. Can I just do this? Can I just do that? And, you know, you might think, well, you're a long way from having kids. We've got an eight-year-old granddaughter that lives around the corner from us, in fact, lives half a time with us. You know, she'll go to bed. She's come down. She's just forgotten something. Anything to break the discipline. It's it's one of the things that just happens. But these disciplines, such disciplines, are necessary for the all-round development of our character and maturity. We need disciplines in life. These disciplines help 
to shape valuable patterns of life at a time when we are more easily molded. It's easier to mold a five-year-old than a 65-year-old. And in fact, I, I have heard it said that a Catholic priest would say, give me a child up to the age of seven and anybody can have them after that. And those patterns are shaped and, and our parents understand that. But as we get older, we begin to truly appreciate our parents' influence in this area. Then, those are disciplines that are imposed upon us. But then, as we get older, and that doesn't have to be very old, you know, it may only be 15, it may only be 18, but as we get older and we begin to embark upon chosen pathways or chosen leisure pursuits or a particular career, then self-imposed disciplines start to kick in. We take these disciplines on board. We realize the necessity of them to help us in making proper progress. And if you're a university student, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, what you're doing at university. But you, you have to bring on board these self-imposed uh, disciplines. Anybody heard of Rebecca Adlington? Okay. Rebecca Adlington, 2008, Olympic double gold, uh, gold medal winner, winner sorry, uh, in swimming. And uh, in 2008, Rebecca Adlington was one of Britain's most successful swimmers in a long time. In fact, it was the first, she was the first British woman in over a hundred years to win two gold medals at the Olympics. Not only did she win the Beijing 2008 women, women's 800 meters, but she knocked two seconds off the previous world record. She also won 800 meters freestyle gold at the 2010 Commonwealth Games. She started swimming at the age of seven. Now that in its sense required discipline, but when she started, she, she did it for fun. She was following her, her older sisters, Laura and Chloe, and I can imagine little Rebecca saying, Mum, can I go? Mum, can I go? Why can't I go? And eventually she, got, she went, and uh, in her words, she started swimming just for the social side of things. But as she did so, she got better and better, and in her words, that's fun. However, to achieve the, uh, the uh, obtaining of two gold medals, that required an awful lot of discipline. And in the period, a long period of time leading up to those Olympics, she dedicated herself to a grueling training regime. A weekly training plan which in brief, is up there, two to three workouts a day, with Sunday being the total rest day. I'll just read it out. It might frighten you, but let's go. On Monday, from 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock, she swam between 7,000 and 8,000 meters in a two-hour session in the Olympic pool at Nottingham University. After that swim, she went home to have breakfast and rest 
And then she would go running and circuit training for an hour around about three o'clock before returning to the pool at five o'clock for another two-hour training session and then another gym session before bed. I'm worn out actually saying it. That's only one day. Tuesday, up at five o'clock. Five o'clock! I didn't realize there was such a time on the clock. Up at five o'clock for a high-intensity session. In the afternoon, an aerobic session, which involves steady uh, swimming for endurance training. And then she repeated those on Thursday and Friday evenings. Wednesday, just one one two-hour session in a 50-meter pool in the afternoon, followed by an hour of weights in the gym next to the pool. The total training session that day was four hours. Thursday and Friday, another 5 a.m. start with both morning and evening sessions in the pool in the evening. Saturday, 7 a.m., a late start. She could have a lie in that morning. One session in the pool. And by the end of the week, she'll have swum between 60,000 and 70,000 meters in the pool. 60,000 to 70,000 meters in the pool. And then the rest of the day on Saturday, she can indulge her passion for shopping, and she says she's into shoes in a big way. She has dozens of pairs. She's like my wife, except my wife's not like her, doing 60,000 to 70,000 meters a week. Two quotes from her. She says, it's all sleeping, training, driving, and occasionally finding time to eat. That's what my life is all about. The longer you do it, the harder it gets. Every year is harder to keep improving. It has to be like that. Notice these words. I pushed myself. This is discipline. I pushed myself harder than ever in my training cycle up to the Olympic trials. I've been crying in training. I've been in so much pain. Sometimes I finish training so tired... I wonder, what am I doing this for? And then you do an amazing swim, and you know why. But it's discipline. It's discipline. You can tell, I am no Rebecca Adlington. But as I look back, I can also see the necessity and value of both imposed discipline, whether by parents and teachers, and self-imposed discipline. The way I dressed. I don't dress, my mother didn't dress me the way I'm dressed this morning. I developed on the way. But the way I dressed, the, the way I had to show manners, the way I had to always eat everything on my plate. The way I was taught to appreciate my elders, to obey my parents, having reasonably early bedtimes, and many other aspects of my early life were typical disciplines of my upbringing. And they have all helped to shape the sort of person I am today. And then the disciplines of a five-year apprenticeship. 
I served a five-year apprenticeship with a company on the south side of Leeds, and along with that, there were associated academic studies. Seven years of going to Leeds Technical College, one day a week, two to three nights a week, lectures until nine o'clock, and then traveling home 12 to 14 miles on public transport to say nothing of all the necessary extra hours of assignments and out-of-lecture study. But these were necessary self-imposed disciplines for me to succeed and again help to shape me to be the person I am today. We're kidding ourselves if we only think we are who we are from the day that we met Jesus Christ. Who we are today is, is, is a composite of what happened and the disciplines beforehand and then Christ coming into our life. And when we've had those early natural disciplines, if I might put it this way, the job of the Spirit is easier when we encounter Christ. When we haven't had those disciplines, the job of the Spirit is much more difficult. As it is in the natural, whether it's me in my humble way, or Rebecca Adlington in a dynamic way, so it is in the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. The natural is always an echo of something spiritual. And first the natural, then the spiritual. None of those disciplines of eating everything on the plate and honoring my elders and early bedtimes, none of those gave me life. The life came as a result of what happened between my mum and dad and God breathing life into some form there. But what they did do, they helped to improve the quality of the life I had. And they helped to enable me to accomplish and to succeed. There are also necessary disciplines for the spiritual life. They don't give life. They don't bring salvation. They don't take you from darkness into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is given by the Spirit of God. But these necessary disciplines of the spiritual life, they most definitely do help us under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to shape the practical quality of our spiritual life. There are some spiritual people who think, well, it's just me and the Holy Spirit. That's a nonsense. The Holy Spirit has given an abundance of disciplines available to us to take advantage of. We hear so much nowadays about the love of God. And that's not wrong. But sometimes I get the impression that if God loves us, then He will indulge us. I get the impression sometimes that godly discipline is contrary to Father's love. And I feel that's partly why God has dropped this burden upon, upon my heart. 
most, if not all, of the natural discipline I received from my parents was because they loved me. Their ideas may have been misguided in some of the things they did. But their heart's desire was to have a child that was brought up well-balanced and a credit to society. They wouldn't use those words. But they were part and parcel of the expression of their love towards me. Very, very seldom did my parents tell me that they loved me. I'm not sure I can ever actually remember that. But I experienced it in so many other ways. And as I look back and I understand now the sacrifices that they made, I realized, in fact, that they loved me. And there are are various forms of spiritual discipline available to us. And I want to submit that such spiritual discipline is a necessity for each one of us. I'm just going to, in the remaining time, present a general overview of spiritual discipline to show that both God and the Scripture views it as being important in our lives. So what is discipline? I've said it's not punishment. Well, the English word discipline comes from a Latin word, discipulus, which simply means pupil. Pupil. Someone who is taught. Someone who makes themselves available to being taught. The word discipline, the English word discipline, uh, it occurs with different frequency in different translations of the Bible. In the New International Version, the English word discipline occurs five times in the New International Version. But the same Greek word that is translated discipline is also translated in a variety of ways, such as the word chastening or nurture, or instruction. And basically, it just means tutorage, education, or training. And these things are important in the spiritual dimension of our life. I'd like to look briefly at these five occasions that they're mentioned in, uh, the word discipline is mentioned in the New International Version. Four of these, incidentally, occur in one chapter, which is Hebrews chapter 12. The first one is Hebrews 12, verse 5. It says, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as what? Sons. It addresses you as sons from a father addressing to a son. And have you forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. When we feel a rebuke of the Father, it's because we are his son. And we don't make light of that. Do you know there were times when Jesus said to his disciples, Oh, you of little faith. You know, and we could think, well, they're trying their hardest, aren't they? You know, fancy speaking to... But it was a rebuke 
to provoke them, to challenge them, to stir them. Because they were the son of the Father in heaven. And then verse 7 of that same Hebrews 12 says, Endure hardship as discipline. So many Christians, I want prayer. I'm going through a hard time. I just want, what do you want prayer for? For the hard time to go. Can you imagine Rebecca, Rebecca Adlington going to the local church and saying, I want prayer. All this training is hurting me and I want a release from it. It was hurting her, but it hurt her to the point of bringing her through to two gold medals. Swimming faster than anybody had ever run before. It says here, endure hardship as discipline. So there's hardship coming into your life of some kind or other. What's our reaction going to be? It's God treating us as sons. Oh, Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you love me so much as a son. As a child of yours, you're prepared to release hardship to train me in the ways that you want me to be. For what son is not disciplined by his father? The third scripture, verse 8 of Hebrews 12. If you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. We rejoice in being sons. We delight in, in the fact that our God has a Father's heart to us. But at the same time, let's not shrink away from the disciplines He brings into our lives or even kid ourselves. But because He's got such a large Father's heart, He won't allow discipline to come into our lives. Because if He is the true Father, and the Father of all fathers, and the Father from whom all fatherhood flows, above all else, He'll be the Father that will release disciplines into our lives to shape us to be the people that He wants us to be on earth. Amen? Does that make any sense? Good. Verse 11 of Hebrews 12. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I like the realism of the Scriptures because it's pointed out the necessity of discipline for sons and it could say, but rejoice in it, delight in it, it's good fun. Rebecca Adlington says, it was painful. There were times I cried. There were times I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And the Scriptures, in the tremendous honesty that the Scriptures has, it says no discipline seems present at the time. If you are going through hardships put your way by the Spirit of God, you may experience a certain amount of pain. Because that pain is touching you in parts of your physical being that need to be touched. As they say, no pain, no gain. All I've got to do is walk up and down the hill to our house two or three times and I'll know what pain is. No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, later on, however, it could produce a gold medal from God. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hallelujah. Thank God for discipline. You have to say it with gritted teeth. And then there's a verse in in New International Version in Revelation 3.19. The same English word there, discipline. Those whom I love, Jesus said, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. I, it is not unusual when I'm worshipping, and it happened again this morning that as I'm just thinking about Jesus and His great love to, for us and His death on the cross, that I find the Spirit of God speaking to me about inconsistencies in my life. And there, as it were, in the quietness of my heart, by the Spirit, there's that rebuke comes. And part of my worship, it's not unusual to, to say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Because if He loves me, He will rebuke me. If He loves me, He'll bring that discipline into my life. And at that point in time, I'll say, Lord Jesus, I repent. I repent. So we see it is scriptural. We see it's the heart of a father towards us. Now we should not be surprised at this. We should not be surprised that discipline is an essential part of our Christian experience and our Christian walk. Because when Jesus came and called men and women to himself, he called them to be his disciples. And the mission he has given to us is to make disciples. Our mission is not to get people born again. It's to make disciples. We are disciples. And the Greek word for disciple carries a very similar meaning to that Greek word for discipline. To be a disciple of Jesus inevitably will involve us in experiencing discipline. Whether allowed or imposed by God, or whether we put it upon ourselves, I, uh, this year, uh, I, the last two or three years, I've uh, set myself a discipline of reading through the Bible every year. And this year, I've set myself the discipline of reading through it chronologically. I've got a, a software package that press the right button and it comes out chronological. But I'm not, this is, I'm not kidding. The Spirit of God didn't say, me, say to me, Thus says the Lord, I want you to read through the Bible chronologically. No, it was a discipline I put upon myself. And hopefully, the Spirit of God walking alongside me will use that discipline to shape something else in my life. Jesus himself, Jesus himself experienced the same. In Hebrews chapter 5, Verse 8 and 9. I I didn't think I put this on the screen because I don't want anybody to go away if you're a visitor and suddenly never open the Bible here. 
So Hebrews 5, verse 8 and 9. says of Jesus, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had to experience disciplines, spiritual disciplines in his life as a man. And being made perfect... He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. Jesus became the source of eternal salvation to us because as a man, and He was a man just like us in every way, He also was subject to spiritual disciplines on His life. When I was first born again, I was in a church setting which practiced certain prohibitions. I didn't realize that at that time. But these prohibitions were actually imposed legalistically. No smoking, no drinking. I didn't smoke anyway. No drinking, I did have a drink. No going to the cinema, I went to the cinema a lot. No going to rugby matches, I used to be a, a supporter of Featherstone Rovers Rugby League. But, at that time, I didn't receive them as legalisms. I received them, I didn't use this word, but I received them as disciplines in my life to help me in my following of Jesus. And these prohibitions, which persisted perhaps for 15 to 17 years, they didn't do me any harm, especially when I was young in the faith. What they actually did was to help me keep my focus upon Jesus. I've got to ask the question that if I'd have carried on doing what I was doing, having a drink regularly, going to the pictures sometimes seven nights a week, watching the rugby league and so on and so on, what time would there have been really to focus in on Jesus in the middle of that? And these disciplines were of benefit to me. Now, I've got to also say that nowadays, I wouldn't impose any such requirements on anyone. Anybody that I'm discipling, I wouldn't impose those requirements on them. Because I think they, they can be legalistic. And whilst I'm saying that, I would also add to that, I do feel that there needs to be a greater degree of the application of discipline to our lives than there currently is. You know, we think we're in a, 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 um, an era of the Spirit. And we think because we're in an era of the Spirit, everything can hang out and hang loose. No. No, it can't. There has to be that harness into our lives of spiritual disciplines so the Spirit of God has got tools to help shape us to be the people that God wants us to be and that this world needs us to be. If you look in the Scriptures and you do a study of fasting, you will discover that fasting is a discipline before God which not only brings rewards... And Rebecca Adlington's discipline brought great reward. Not only brings rewards, but it's a discipline of God which is expected by Jesus. 
Matthew 6, verse 16. It should come. When you fast, he doesn't say if, he's assuming that fasting will be part of his disciples' lifestyle. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their, their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, look happy, so it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's the whole point of discipline. It's to bring a reward at the end. Same in the Old Testament. Isaiah 58, a chapter that's all about fasting. Just to pick two verses out. If we engage in the, in the true fasting as we read in Isaiah 58, and you can read it when you get home, then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Do we want that? Yeah, we do want that. We want it. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and He will say, Here am I. And some of us say, I don't know, I keep praying, I don't seem to get any answers. I wonder where God is. And I've, you know, this problem, I've been prayed for, for this healing I don't know how many times I've been prayed for. Have you engaged in a season of fasting? What is fasting? But none other than a self-imposed discipline. Why don't we fast much? I'm speaking to myself here. Why don't we fast much? Well, I'll change it. Why don't I fast much? Because I don't like the discipline of it. You know, I, we don't do it so often now, but I know a number of years ago when as churches together, sometimes individually, we'd, we'd catch this vision of something happening. I remember when we were in Leicester, we were in Leicester a number of years, and this, this awful pop group was coming to the, the main concert hall in Leicester, and there were things about it that were, that were ungodly and people thought to be de de demonic and we all needed to pray and fast against this concert. So we all prayed and fast for this day. And then at 12 o'clock midnight, everybody got the frying pans out and did a quick fry up. Which really says, I don't like fasting. I don't like the discipline of it. But as I look back now, I believe that the constraints of my first few years as a Christian life, which I undertook these restrictions in faith. I undertook them in faith. But I believe those constraints were a form of fast. And there are things in our lives which are not wrong. And we actually enjoy. But I think for some of us, God may call us to a season of fasting for them. I'm not on about a day. I'm not on about a week. I may be, it may be a year. It may be a season until God says, okay, I release you. I remember. I think, I think I've been a Christian 17 years when God, I felt God release me from a regular obeying of those early restrictions. But they shape my life. They shape my life. I'm going to, if I'm coming quickly to a close, just a, 
a couple of Old Testament scriptures. Because this is in the Old Testament. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. That word train means put the narrows upon him. Put the boundaries upon them. It's referring primarily to the natural child, how to bring up a child. Every child needs discipline. They want to know their boundaries. The reason they're going to shove their finger in the electric plug is because they're testing the boundaries. And you can put your little plug in all the plugs, but that child will find the one that you've forgotten and shove its little finger in. It wants to know its boundaries. But many well-meaning parents think, oh, bless them, bless them. And what they do, they make a rod for themselves. They wear themselves out because they say, we hear it, and you must hear it. You know, you're in the supermarket. Mum, can I have a chocolate bar? No. Mum, can I have a chocolate bar? No. No. Mum, can I have a... I've told you, no. You're not having a chocolate bar. Mum, can I have a chocolate Okay, which one do you want? Because the child is testing the boundaries. And that child knows from experience that those boundaries are very flexible. And it says, when he's young, put the narrows on. As young Christians, if you're a young Christian this morning, you need narrows. There are various types. There's godly leadership here that can help you in that. Exodus 15, 26. We love to quote the last sentence. For I am the Lord that heals you. Let's pray for healing, because God is the Lord that heals us. We conveniently forget the disciplines of the first part. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, that's discipline. Those are spiritual disciplines. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. I believe that there is healing in the church, but that healing is going to be there when the church walks in the ways of the discipline of the Lord. And when people come in, they will immediately be healed. Because there's healing in this place. I'm not on about the building. I'm on about this church here. Spiritual disciplines. Finally. What are you talking about, George? That's a good question, isn't it? Just a few spiritual disciplines. Reading the Scriptures regularly. Do I have to? No. You've got eternal life. You've got a hope in heaven. Jesus is coming to take you to be with Him. You don't have to read the Scriptures at all. But if you want to be the man and woman of God that this world needs, you will read the Scriptures regularly. Do I have to read them every day? No, you don't. Rebecca Adlington didn't go swimming in the pool every day. There's one day she didn't. Prayer. Fellowship stroke meeting together. Well, the church, the church isn't just Sunday morning. Of course it isn't. The church isn't. But this is the gathered community of the church. And the Bible says, don't neglect to meet together. 
Because it's a neglect of an important spiritual discipline. There's lots of stuff I go to as a spiritual discipline because I'm part of them and because I want to be with them. Uh, one or two folk in the church in, 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 in Edel Church have started a little pub fellowship the, the last Wednesday in the month. They just go to a local pub and meet and just have a, a fellowship together. And it was this last Wednesday, and I wasn't doing anything. I said to Pat, I think I'll just go. I went down, I had an hour, I had one drink, and then came away. I thought, I'm identifying with these folk. I want to be with them. But it, it required me to get out, and he was chucking it down with rain. Breaking bread. Fasting. Thanksgiving. Now, that's a discipline. Thanksgiving. Because I'll tell you what, there are some moaning Christians. If you only ever see the glass half empty, you need to take on board the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Thank you, Father, for this hardship you're training me. Thank you, Father. I don't know what, what this is about, but thank you that all things work together for good to those who love you who are called according to purpose. Thanksgiving. Taking up the cross. Taking up my cross. Paul talked about dying daily. That's one of the blessings of meeting together. Because I'll tell you what, where you're going to die is in the company of God's people. Because it's them that's going to put you to death. Think about it. Obedience. Obedience. We view obedience as a dirty word. Does that mean the elders are going to tell us what to do? That's nothing to do with obedience. Obedience is an attitude and it's a discipline that we take upon ourselves. Giving. Giving. Mark encouraged us in, as, as we gave into the offering this morning and that encouragement is right. Because we live in a selfish society and we live in a society whose values are imposed upon us. And whether we like it or not, we are influenced by those values. And therefore, we need to be encouraged to give. We need to practice the discipline of giving. You know, if something happened here one Sunday morning and this lady gave £20 to this young lady who gave £20 to this man and went all around the room and then that lady at the end came across and gave this lady £20, you'd have walked out all the same. But I'll tell you what, you've been blessed because every one of you had given and every one of you had received. Interesting thought, isn't it? Spiritual disciplines are necessary to make us to be the people we want to be. And the beautiful thing is, the Holy Spirit will harness those disciplines and shape us. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Let's pray. I felt as I was sat there during the worship that there's two or three folk here and you know you need to take a grip of yourselves. You need to get a grip of yourselves. You've been cruising. There needs to be an application of discipline in your life. Spiritual discipline. It may be something to do with one of these that, that's on the screen now.
It may be something different. It may even start with going to one of the leaders, Mark or Kathy or one of the other leaders, saying, look, I just need help. I'm floating. I need to harness into the Lord Jesus. And just as we bow our heads in prayer, I want to invite you to just make that commitment to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm stopping cruising. I'm stopping floating. I'm going to be harnessed to you from today in a new way. I'm going to walk according to your purposes, and I want you to shape me to be the man or woman of God that you've actually called me to be. So just do that as our heads are bowed at this point. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that we are your children. We're each one sons and daughters of you by the work of the Spirit in our lives. And I thank you for that. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you've accomplished in our lives by the working of your Spirit upon us. I thank you, Father, that you've not left us without those various disciplines, whatever they may be. Father, I want to thank you for the wealth of wisdom and maturity that's in this room because so many of your people submitted to various disciplines at different times of their lives. Father, I want to thank you for those who even now are on a journey undergoing a particular discipline that they've allowed you to bring into their lives. And Father, I pray that you will bless them. Father, I pray for any that have just been floating. Father, I want to thank you for your great love for them. And I want to thank you, Father, that you're calling them, as it were, back to yourself, back to that disciplined walk with you. And Lord, I ask that from this day, Father, they will just know that increased maturity coming upon them. Father, I pray that you will bless them as they harness to whatever it is that you've got for them. And Father, I pray that this church will be richer and stronger because they're here walking in a disciplined way with you. Father, that their friends and neighbors and their workplaces, Father, are affected for good because a child of God has found their calling and are walking according to it. So God, we just thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that you will take whatever you want from this word that is applicable to each of our hearts and lives. Father, I pray for myself that where there's need for discipline of any kind, Spirit of God, speak loud and clear. Sometimes you need to do that to catch my attention. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. George, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us. That was a challenging word, but it was a good word. And we want to honor you for taking time to put that together, for listening to the voice of God, and for coming this morning and sharing that amongst us. So once again, if we can do that thing that's really popular, give them a warm round of applause.
Thank you, George. Bless you. I want to do one more thing, which I'm going to try and get us into the habit of doing as a church as well. If we could please close our eyes and bow our heads. If every single one of you could please close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to ask right now, if there is anybody here this morning, so everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. Anybody here this morning who doesn't yet know Jesus as a friend, who doesn't yet know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and what we mean by that is somebody who is in control of your life, but guiding you as though a friend would guide you. Um, Can you raise your hands in the air right now? Just raise your hand in the air, and I will come and talk with you and pray with you um, after we've finished in a few months. So if there is anybody, just raise your hands in the air right now. Anybody here that wants to know Jesus more? And raise your hand clearly in the air if that's what you want to do. Okay, if you can put your hands down, and everybody else then can lift up your heads and open your eyes. And we're going we're gonna, to um, just end with the blessing, but I think I just need to just point out a few notices. Is there a sheet here? Has anybody got a sheet, a notice sheet I can just grab just to remind myself? That'll do. That'll do. That's wonderful. Okay, so every Monday night, apart from the first Monday in the month, I want to remind you, it's in the new sheet here. We have our prayer gathering where we kind of pray and we prophesy and that there have been As I say every week, they're wonderful, dynamic times where God moves, God speaks, and God kind of moves us on two or three or four steps closer towards the things that he wants us to do and be a part of in the city. So every Monday night, except for the first Monday of the month, here, 7.30, it's in your um, notice sheet here. So just be um, aware of that. Okay, if we could all stand to our feet and then hold out our hands And really believe that you're going to receive the blessing of God right now. One second. Yeah, yeah, hold out your hands. And while you're doing that, I'll remind you of something that Jess has just reminded me about. Next week, um, there is no kind of band worship. We'll once again be having a what is now being dubbed as a pastry morning. Um, So we'll be eating breakfast together. So next Sunday, come at the same time, half past ten. That's the time that the service starts, half past ten, not eleven o'clock, half past ten. Um, It's at half past ten. And we will have... Um, pastry together and, and we'll enjoy fellowship with one another and there will be normal kind of children's work and there will be somebody sharing next week and I believe it's Pete Topless next week will be coming back to share and it's quite timely actually that we're doing this right now because Pete was the, the person that brought this kind of blessing to us because they do it every week where they're at. So hold out your hands, receive this blessing from God and we're going to read from Numbers 6 verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards each and every single one of you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Have a great week, guys. Uh, Bless you. Enjoy your life groups that you're going to be a part of.